Welcome to the Insider's Guide to Finance, where we dive into stories from the front lines of financing public and private companies. I host seasoned CEOs, fund managers, bankers, brokers, and business experts who will answer your questions about how to properly engage investors, finance opportunities, and build outstanding success stories. We dig into the educational how-tos and mechanics of structuring good deals. You'll also hear about strokes of luck, tense negotiations, and the pressures of closing, while also getting insights on how to best navigate the public markets. Welcome back to the Insider's Guide to Finance. In today's episode, we hear from Taylor Toen, founder and CEO of Business Television, or BTV. Taylor has grown BTV to a point where she has licensing and distribution deals with the most recognized business channels across North America. I asked Taylor to come to the show because I wanted to get her perspectives on marketing public companies and engaging investors. She's been doing this for over 20 years, so she not only knows the media industry, but she also knows how public companies should be planning and executing their investor marketing programs. We talked a lot about what's core to her business, and that's video, but we go further than that. Taylor gets into marketing strategies, how to find angles for your investor narrative, and how you should be measuring the effectiveness of your marketing companies or the marketing service providers you're working with. Now, to give you some perspective, in Canada alone, there are over 500 press releases a day from public companies. So how are you going to stand out and be heard by investors? Listen into this interview so you can get some great intel and hear from Taylor about what you can be doing to step up your marketing game. Enjoy the show. On the line, I have Taylor Tone of Business Television or BTV. Uh, Taylor, thank you so much for making the time. This is, well, you're, you're certainly a big part of the business community here in Canada and, and North America. So I'm looking forward to our conversation. Yeah, thank you. My pleasure. Nice to meet you at least over the phone here, Corey. Yeah, there's always a first and maybe sometime in person. You know, I, I thought this would be a great interview considering the amount of time you've been working with public companies and the work you've done in, in growing BTV. So what do you say if we, we start off with a summary of yourself, a bit of an elevator pitch about you and, and BTV and really the business you've built there? Sure. Oh, my goodness. Well, as I mentioned earlier in our conversation, you know, usually I'm interviewing people, but <laughs> but that's fine. It's, it's nice to have the tables turned a, a little bit here. Really, what we started the company with, you know, 22 years ago with a TV show. I had an idea for a show and I literally flew to Global TV and pitched it to them and they bought it. Those were back in the days when you know, the networks were licensing shows. And now that TV show is longest running business show in Canadian history. It's moved now, now though, Corey, it used to be on global TV. And now we've, our focus, as you know, is more on public companies. And so it's, it's home is a little bit better placed on BNN Bloomberg. And it's also national across the U.S. on the business network, which is a cable station about six and a half times the size of BNN Bloomberg in Canada. And then Air Canada licenses the show, and then WestJet is actually testing us right now for this quarter. So the show is what we started the company with, but really companies consider us now as a full sort of media and marketing company. And essentially the essence of what it is that we do is is we help public companies tell their story and increase their brand awareness to, you know, both a 
I guess, a retail and an institutional investor audience, predominantly in North America. We've got a couple other products that we have too. You know, we create TV commercials you see on BNN Bloomberg and Bloomberg. We have, you know, the CEO Clips brand is our product too. Those are short company video profiles. I mean, that's the largest library now of uh, public company videos in Canada and the U.S. And those go everywhere online. And, you know, Reuters, Thomson Reuters built us a channel for those and, and they're broadcast on TV as well. So that's essentially <laughs> in a muddled sense, that's who we are and what we do. There's a lot there. And I mean, it's, it's mm-hmm. surely progressed. And there's so many avenues we can go down here. And it really, I think the purpose of, of this interview and the podcast, aside from hearing more about what you do, is mm-hmm. understanding, I think, how CEOs can use your services or just for, for you know, being broader in senses, how they can use media services to build their brand and, and what that means as, as being a public company. Something that I often say is that being a public company is is no different than being any company. You have to you have to market to your audience being investors the same way you would if you're selling a product or a service. Now, when it comes to marketing through BTV and through using the television channels, how can or how do you fit into their to their marketing budget? And what does a a package look like with you? Like, what does it look like to work with BTV? Well, I mean, as I sort of mentioned earlier, there's a few different verticals we can, you know, we can tell your story on our, if it works and if it's within our, you know, the, the topics with which we're going to be discussing, you know, my, it might be a mining episode we're scheduling or a cannabis or a tech episode, then we can, you know, and, and provided that you've got a substantial story that we can dig our heels into, we can tell that story on our show. There's TV commercials, there's digital marketing, you know, a whole, the whole gamut online. But, you know, companies basically come to us to help them, you know, A, craft their message, and then B, broadcast it to investors so that very simply they can get investor attention. And so that's what we do. I mean, we, mm. we, we tell their stories, we promote their brand on all the TV channels that are sort of financially derived, BNN Bloomberg, Fox Business News in the U.S., Bloomberg in the U.S., and then online, we chose to partner with sites that are highly trafficked with investors. And, you know, those are CNBC, Bloomberg.com, Forbes, and so we place our um, the clients that we work with, we place their brands there too. That's kind of another <laughs> overview. Yeah. And well, when you mentioned that, I think the one thing to take away there is, is you're mentioning very high caliber names in which you're able to use your relationships in, in the media network you have to place their brand in front of a, a, a caliber, a high caliber audience. Uh, Correct. When you those. Yeah. Can we step back though to something that I think is, is so important and that's crafting the, the story, crafting the message I mean, in Hollywood, you could say Hollywood movies have a formula and it's everyone follows that same formula. How do you approach or how does the BTV team approach crafting a narrative for a, a public company? So it, it depends. Now, if we're, if we're going to have the company on our show, we literally, I mean, as our slogan states, discover companies to invest in, we don't have you come into a studio. We, we, our camera crews go directly to the company's business. And we'll film at their manufacturing facilities, their mine site in Peru, you know, their grow in Guelph, Ontario. We were just did a bunch of filming in Colombia for a, a, a fantastically innovative cannabis pharma company. And so what our objective is, is to, you know, to, to go there. 
So that's first and foremost, that's really different about our show. So then from there, we get the footage, but we also interview typically the CEO and they tell the story. So we don't craft your story. They tell the story, but we make it look good because we've got the footage mm. and we put it all together and our, our writers, you know, will select the clips that are the most eloquent and tell the story in the best way, but we don't muddy their message. They tell their story. And so really our BTV show is a platform for companies to, to share their story in a professional way. I gotcha. And, and do it, at, you yeah. know, with what is the arguably the most powerful form of media being video. Right. Now, the ads on BNN, those are different. Those are actual TV commercials. And so we do them in two ways. We, we sometimes do an interview with the CEO and air that as a commercial. And it's, you know, it, that has its own purpose. It helps introduce the CEO to that company, to the markets. But you'll see more and more of our digital sort of, you know, the voiceover with imagery, either high quality visuals that we've collected from the company or that we've, you know, we, we have obtained regular television ads. Now, those are all scripted for the most part because they're short and you have to be succinct and you want to be concise and impactful. And mm-hmm. so those, those we do, we, you know, those are scripted. With that scripting and, and well, what, what I'm trying to do without, you know, Mm-hmm. having you disclose a secret formula, but oh, I see. I, I, <laughs> I'm being very sneaky here, is I often think that when telling a story and when delivering a narrative, you start with a problem and that's aimed to capture somebody's interest. Then you explain the solution and ultimately the outcome and the, and the benefit of the future with you or with your solution. Do you follow something similar in in putting together the videos you do when you put the discovering new company videos together or the short, concise scripts? Sure. So, you know, that works sometimes. You know, there are a lot lot of companies that that aren't solving a problem, right? So a junior mining exploration company isn't necessarily Mm. solving a problem, right? And so, you know, you always want to look for your angle. And we encourage companies to do that because I'll tell you, you know, after doing this for a couple of decades, we'll come in and, and talk with a company and, you know, they'll, they'll be saying the same things that everybody else is saying. We have an experienced management team. We have a unique concept. We have, you know, all these. All We're strategically sort of positioned. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We've got a hundred plus years of combined experience. I mean, nobody cares about that and it's not resonating with me as a viewer. So if you have that kind of, you know, writing in your PowerPoint, just delete it, you know, really sit back and, and think about what is it that makes you unique. And so we have, you know, we have some clients that are, you know, they have the, the newest diamond mine in the world. Okay. In the world, that's Mountain Province Diamonds, the newest diamond mine in the world with the the newest gold mine in Canada, and that's Victoria Gold. You know, if you can do the newest, the biggest, the the first, that's another angle other than the problem and the solution. If you're a technology, for the most part, you're going to, there's a problem that you're solving if you're a mm. technology company. But mining, you have to be a little bit more creative with. And cannabis is, you know, that's a different... Different beast in itself. Completely in itself, Yeah. That's an interesting one because I've often thought that it's really hard to find an angle for a for a mining company. I mean, where do you do you do you speak to the team and some unique unique differentiator there or a story which you could build on to show the culture that is different from somebody else? I, I'm throwing things out, but mm-hmm. 
to find that angle for, for example, for a resource company and it being that something that you can really hold on to is that the newest, the biggest, the only is I, I see where you're going there because it's uh, and it's hard to find these to really to really hold on to. Well, and if you don't have that, then there should there should be either yourself as the CEO or somebody on your board or a strategic advisor of the company. And this is often the case that has a compelling story. So, you know, on our team is the guy or the gal that, you know, founded the XYZ copper project in Peru that was, you know, that everyone's going to recognize. You know, there should be some form of success there because, you know, we're mostly talking here micro cap and small cap companies who are trying to get their story out, but never forget that the investor bets on the jockey too, right? They're they're looking at what's that background and why should I invest in this guy or this gal? And so that needs to be told in here too. Right. Now, I'm thinking of questions and I'm vying from my, my list here, so I hope you're okay <laughs> with that. <laughs> Something I'm going through with a current client, the, the company is is growing to a point where we're I, would, I don't want to say we're growing beyond needing retail investors. I don't believe a company will ever not need its retail investor audience. But in the way we're approaching the copy and the message we're delivering, the goal is to start speaking to a, a more sophisticated institutional audience. Mm-hmm. Have you experienced that with your clients? And what does that look like when you, you need to start to transition your message across the, the services and the, and the messaging you're providing for your clients? Well, so there's two things here. I mean, there's, you know, the company wanting to attract that institutional audience, Corey, and then there's the reality of the institutions even caring. You know, I hear this often from clients that'll be, you know, a 50 million market cap company, and they're trying to attract, you know, the institutions and they're spending time and effort in the U.S., for example, at trade shows and in meetings with institutions and with funds who really can't touch them until they're 100 million market cap or more and they're at 50. And so really, you know, it the message really is, you know, talk to the audience that can buy you today, spend a little bit of time on where you on that bigger audience because don't blow your budget there because you're you're going to have a finite budget. And you mentioned MCloud, they spent a lot of time on retail in the beginning and now they're shifting, they're shifting their focus because well, they're, they're in real revenues now. Mm-hmm. They're in their substantial revenue growth. And that's another thing is there's caps on, on institutions also being involved with companies that, are, that don't have any revenue. And so, again, it's, it's that CEO wisely spending their time and their marketing dollars on the appropriate audience. Mm-hmm. It's not just where they want to be, but it's where you should be spending your time. What you're touching on here is, is I just think, such gold that more CEOs and IR pros need to, to take into consideration is really that strategy. And, and I'm taking down that quote of talk to the audience that can buy you today. That's yep. really powerful. So can you go further down that path? I mean, there's got to be lots of things you see early stage public companies who are looking to engage the, the markets, but are doing it and they're missing the market. What other things do you see that they could be doing better? I think probably more strategically, you know, spending marketing dollars talking to a targeted retail audience. You know, I mean, I think newsletters have have their place and in, and in some sectors, there really aren't even any newsletters. You know, there's quite a few available in, in mining. And I think that that does serve 
companies well if they can have, you know, especially if they have <laughs> things that we talked about earlier, if there's a jockey to bet on, if they've got some previous successes, because those newsletter writers will be able to help them share that story to their audience. I, I think just back to what I'd said before is I see oftentimes, you know, this sort of shotgun approach with a small budget and fragmented in Canada and the U.S. and the company is trading on the venture, no OTC list, or the CSE, no U.S. list that's active with any volume. And then they're spending tens of thousands of dollars on trips and traveling to go to a U.S. trade show. And they can't, they're not really that investable to the U.S. retail audience. And so, you know, that's another thing is, you know, if you're a CSE listed company, you know where your volumes are coming from right now. If you want to expand into the U.S., get more robust on your on your U.S. symbol and spend, you know, strategically spend on marketing to that retail U.S. audience. Again, don't waste the time on on the institutional audience because it's a lot of dollars and they can't buy you until you're at a certain level anyways. Mm. I often look at, a, at the, the investor landscape as a bit of a pyramid where you have on the bottom level, you've got that foundation of retail investors who can buy and can buy you and start to support the volume and start, start to see you up. And then you get into a level of more sophisticated retail brokers and high net worth individuals. And the, that foundation of retail supports the interest and the volume to get the the higher level investors interested. And then you have to build up from there and start to, when the time is right, engage those institutions who can now buy in within the parameters they're locked into. So yeah. uh, uh, perhaps I'm, I'm doubling down on what you're saying, but I really, um, <laughs> I think that message has to be shared more often. So I appreciate that. Where I'd like to go is in thinking about video and you getting your clients being CEOs and their management teams in front of video. What tips do you have for, for media training and for helping them in front of the camera and helping them deliver their message in, in their different ways? I mean, there's got to be some tips and tricks from, from your years of having your clients in front of camera to, to make them better at it. Well, we, we have a saying here at BTV and it's brevity is beautiful. And, you know, your, your pitch should be very short and, and your slides on your PowerPoint should be minimal. And you should have, you know, 30 point font, for example. And if it's, and if you've got too much information on that page, well, guess what? You've got too much information on that page. Just start editing it out. Remember when you're putting these, these, this together, you know, I think about the speed dating and there's some services that are kind of like that, you know, this pitching every five minutes or 10 minutes to a different group of investors. And there's a couple of different really good outfits that are doing this sort of service, which are great. But remember always that you want to be memorable. So what is it that you can say to that broker or that investor that's going to be remembered and repeated? And so forget about all the industry jargon and get trim all of the extra adjectives out because no one cares and they won't remember them and get back to the essence of the story. You know, I mean, you mentioned mCloud earlier. I love those guys. You know, they, they help Fortune 500 companies save real money on their energy. That's it, using their AI technology. But, you know, we've interviewed Russ their CEO. We've done some branding and worked with these guys and they're great. 
but it's a simple story that I can share with you, Corey, and you can tell your friend tomorrow, and he can tell another friend tomorrow, and we're repeating it. If it's so complicated that you can't repeat it, <laughs> no one's going to share it, then yeah. it's, the message is just going to die. So keep, make it simple and short. What I often think is that with brokers who are representing an opportunity to eventually their clients, if they can't repeat it and, and tell the story because they're worried they're going to sound like an idiot, they're never going to be selling your stock. So no. I try to insist that anybody who's pitching an audience to keep that in mind, especially from the broker, if they can't resell you, there's no way you're going to be able to sell them. Yeah. I love hearing the input from you, especially with the experience <laughs> and the number of companies you've worked with. It's, it's absolute gold and, and a lot of credibility there. So thanks for that. Oh, my pleasure. Where to go now? I, I think there's a lot of different questions to, to be asked, but something that I did want to touch on, and I think that there's a lot of similarities here, is perhaps when you're, when you're looking at marketing of a product or a service, you know, what similarities are there there that can be carried over to investor marketing? I think probably the biggest similarity, if you're comparing it to sort of like regular consumer marketing, if, if say, you know, the executives have been involved in that landscape and now they're in with a pubco, is the use of video. That's probably, you know, the biggest similarity is that both of them would use video. You know, I mean, we, we have this, it's such a powerful fact. It was done with Forrester's research that they, that it's on my signature line on my email. And you probably saw it when you sent me a note for the invite, but it's one minute of video equates to 1.8 million words. So not to forget that is video is the biggest form of engagement out there and it's the fastest growing segment online. So use video, but that's the biggest parallel I would say is, is the use of video. Mm, in helping convey that message. And, you know, I can think yeah. of almost every product you see, whether it be a commercial on television or an explainer video on a new software product, there's a video there. Yeah. yeah. And then the other thing too is frequency, right? Repetition. You don't see an ad for a product on TV once and then go out and buy it. You know, it's repetition. You might see it in a four or five different places and that's sort of like your laws of advertising, right? It's sort of six to seven touches. And that doesn't mean six to seven, maybe times that they've seen you on TV, but different touches. So if we're talking a public company, you know, there's different initiatives that the company should engage in. Like we are rarely the only thing that a company does. You know, we're part of a marketing strategic plan. And I encourage them to do that. I don't want them to spend their entire marketing budget on us because we hit television and online. But there's other there's other great places where they should also be. Like they do need to do some investor shows and some one-on-ones and some broker meetings and some traveling. They do need to do those things, right? So the repetition you know, like not to expect to be on TV for a week and, and all the investors in the country are going to remember you next month. It's really just understanding that, that the similarities there between the constant touch points and having a yeah. marketing mix that, yeah. that goes beyond just one avenue. Conferences, just conferences won't do it for you or, no. or just be TV. I wish I could give you the plug, but it won't do it for you either. No, I mean, all of these things are helpful. But, you know, I always say that marketing is a process. It's not an event. You know, I always say that because I've just seen too many times where, you know, I'll hear a CEO say, well, we're going to try this, this show in New York and then next quarter we're going to try something else. And I think, you know, you're wasting, you know, put the effort out there, do it consistently and strategically and you'll have much 
much better results. You know, consistency is really the key to success in marketing. Now, do you have any examples of, of companies that you've seen who have just been outstanding in this? You know, examples of some of the things they, they do as part of that consistency? So we don't consult with clients and sort of get a whole, like, you know, sit down with them and find out all the different things that we're doing, but we do ask them what they are doing so that we don't have overlap and we do recommend. But if we're sort of, you know, again, sort of staying within our, the sweet spot here of micro cap and small cap companies, which is for the most part, that's our, that's our client, that's our niche audience. We hit the mid caps as well, but not the large caps. We don't work with them, quite frankly, because they're not really looking for the larger retail audience that that we do serve. We do hit the institutions because, for example, BNN's playing at Canaccord's office right now, but the larger audience is, is definitely retail. But, you know, I think the trade shows, as you mentioned, you know, the, the one-on-one type meetings are really good too, where, you know, you're at an event and you'll talk to, you know, 20 different people in the day kind of thing or a day and a half. You know, those are effective. We've heard good feedback from our clients on that. Digital marketing, which we got into about two years ago, and that's been, that's a whole nother area. And that's, super effective because not all investors are watching financial television networks. They're online getting their investment advice and then their investment news from the likes of, you know, CNBC and Bloomberg.com and some of the other big sites, the Toronto Stock Exchange. And so we're there too. And those are, you know, different layered approaches, you know, flying to, you know, meet with very strategic brokers and and boutique houses that have invested in similar companies to yours are also really powerful for clients. You know, there's a whole bunch of things, Corey, as you know, you're in the business, (laughs) you know, all the different things they could do. Podcasts are a good way to reach people. Well, I I always, you know, don't trust me. Listen to what Taylor's saying or listen to, you know, (laughs) I'm just here to ask questions. But it gets back to what I said earlier, though, really, I, I believe it's a marketing is a process, right? Mm. And it's a, it's a layered approach. And, you know, some things are going to work a little bit better for you. And then next year, they might not work as well for you. You know, so you do need to change it up and try new things, you know, and the same thing doesn't always work for a different sector the mining and the tech and the cannabis and, and the biotech, there's still individual silos. It's not the same recipe for all the different sectors. Something else that I took away from a, an earlier interview I did with perhaps one of the, the most financially successful guests I've had, he just came out and said straight up, there's no silver bullet. It's mm-hmm. always changing and you yeah. have to go at it. And some things work, some things don't. But if you don't do anything, you're as good as gone. Yeah, well, if people don't know you, they won't buy you. There you go. That's yeah. it. How companies be measuring success or measuring the work that media does for them? Like what are the metrics they should be looking at and measuring their service providers against? So that's an excellent question because I think too often, you know, I mentioned that sort of shotgun approach and there's a lot of money spent in marketing with some firms and not a lot of, you know, you don't really know what you got. And so with us, everything is measured. So we actually provide all of our clients with a comprehensive ROI report. And, you know, that's how many views you had online that, you know, how many impressions you had on television, how many leads you received, everything. It's pages long. The client gets it right after their campaign is completed about a month later because we get all the broadcast numbers and 
everything still calculates for about 30 days, but then they have that. And so, and I know other service providers provide reports too, but really, you know, don't write a check for any marketing services without first ensuring that you're going to have, you know, some sort of measurement report afterwards, because how on earth can you check your ROI if you don't know how many views you had online or you don't know how many impressions you had on television or, you know, or or whatever it might've been. So that's what we do. And I encourage, I mean, there are some firms that do that too in other verticals, but just do make sure that you're getting some sort of a statistical report because these things are all available now with technology. Mm. Can you go further on that? Can you expand on any, like what does, if you're looking at a, at a CPM rate or, or a cost per thousand, I mean, you know, what are some of the different measurements? Of, is there three to five that, that you go to most and say, hey, these are the ones that, that are most meaningful? What else can you give us there? So CPM, which a lot of people aren't familiar with, but it's cost per thousand. In our case, it's per thousand investors that are going to see your brand. Our average CPM is six to $8, which is pretty low. So it's a low cost. I know some of our competitors in other verticals have a CPM of 20 to $25 per 1,000 investors, which still sounds low, but six to $8 is lower. And so... <laughs> you want to make sure that you're getting a good bang for your buck. Because again, we're sort of talking, you know, more of a subset of companies that is budget conscious. Well, even the mid cap companies are budget conscious. They just have a bigger budget. And so you just want to make sure that, that you're getting this data from your service providers. And we don't just send it in, in a report. We actually have screenshots that we, we capture with the views circled and, you know, they can see their YouTube views and they can see, you know, the chart on, on the analytics from Google on different digital campaigns and things like that. So, you know, that's, that's just one of the things I definitely would advocate if, if you're, you know, with any service provider, period, is just have some sort of an analytical report. And if you don't understand it, then when they send it to you, you know, have a call. We actually send it and then we send a follow-up that says, that schedules a a call with them to review it. And we Mm. review it with our clients because quite frankly, they don't get it. I mean, it's, it's got, you know, vernacular in there that they're maybe not familiar with. So we just go over it with them so that they understand where their dollars were spent. Yeah. And I appreciate that. It's with the metrics. It is nice that digital marketing has the ability to, to really give you fine-tuned and, and, and accurate measurements of, of the activity that's happened from the, the money you've put in. But we do run into the issue that we, how do you get an ROI, especially because we can't connect it directly to buying? How do you approach that? Or what would you look as the closest measurement to ROI when doing a, a media exercise? Well, I think share price and volume increase are the go-to for most CEOs, you know, and and we typically will see something along those lines when we do a campaign with a client. You know, we we guarantee the exposure to companies that we work with, but, you know, we can't obviously control if an investor is going to buy, you know, and a a marketing campaign certainly can't, you know, mitigate a a sell-off, for example, if if a company didn't hit their guidance that they had announced or had a sell report from an analyst that was covering them or the worst has no news flow. <laughs> yes. That, that's one of the questions that we ask a client before we engage them in a campaign is when is your news? I should have mentioned this earlier. What kind of news do you anticipate coming? And if we get the, the CEO saying, Oh, we don't have anything for six months. And we say, okay, we'll start three to four weeks prior to that to get you on investors radar. Don't waste your money now. If you've got no news, because we'll tell this great story and we do guarantee that that story gets out there. We have all the analytics. We know the views. 
We know the viewership on television. We know our views online. But investors are smart. They're not going to buy a stock because we, we tell their story. They're going to put that stock on their radar. And now it's on the radar. And so the client, the company's job is to make sure they have news and then what happens is then the investor starts to buy because they're interested in, we, we just create interest. I always say, you know, our job is to have the viewer who's an investor lean in and raise their eyebrows. If we do that, we've done our job. Mm. Your job is to make sure you fulfill your business plan. Do all those things you said you were going to do. Have some catalysts that they can get excited about and they'll start to buy the story. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying there. And that was actually the, the word I was thinking was catalyze. The news will catalyze the story that you're putting out there on behalf of the client. Oh, 100%. So, you know, but the other thing too is you might hear this, and I, we certainly have heard this over the years, and this is just an inexperienced CEO saying, well, after this news, we're going to then do a campaign. The problem is if you do the campaign after the news, then and there's no subsequent news then what happens is is there's no sort of exciting catalyst with which then the investor will buy and so the mm. best most opportune time is you know like 3 weeks before that news is coming get on investors radar so they're waiting for it their eyebrows have been raised they've leaned in you're on their radar and then you come in with your news you've signed a deal with IBM or whatever the you know a gold corp invested in your company whatever the the information is or you had an, a big acquisition that you've done now they're going to start to buy cuz they're going to start to see that that your chart going up and, and now they're going to start to buy. And so, you know, it's, it's sort of understanding the dynamics of the best time to spend your limited marketing dollars as well. Awesome. You know, it's, well, I really enjoy your enthusiasm about this and the, and the advice you share from, I mean, being in the trenches and actually helping companies through this. Something I didn't really fully appreciate was how you started BTV and taking us down another path here, if it's okay. <laughs> What I wanted to ask you is some 20 years ago, you went and pitched this business television show concept to Global and mm -hmm. they, they bought into you. They took a bet on you and here you are today. With the time that we have left, can you take us back there and tell us what that was like and tell us what the growth of your company has been like? I mean, that's a, it's, a, it's a cool story that I don't think enough people hear. Well, you're going back now. So we're going back 22 years. I flew to Global TV. I met with a fellow who was the national programming director. His name was Howard Slutskin. And I walked into his office. We had an appointment, of course. And I walked into his office with my, you know, VHS tape of my pilot episode, <laughs> which I had, you know, funded myself. And let's see, on that first episode, we had Blends Coffee and CompTech Industries. And, you know, there was a couple, it wasn't all public companies at the time. It was more, you know, three business stories, but it was the same yep. show. And I'll never forget, I walked into his office and he was in the sort of central hub, if you can imagine, and, and no windows in his office. He's like the center and then like arms, like legs of a spider were the, all the other offices and hallways around him. So it was kind of this unnerving, like little hub of a you know, office that I went in and on either side of him, he had VHS tapes because we're going back 22 years ago here. He had VHS tapes on either side of him past the height of his desk. And, you know, that were other people just like me pitching him. 
okay? And I looked on either side and I and I kind of smiled and and I said my pitch. I don't remember my words at the time, but you know, I was good. <laughs> <laughs> and and I told him I thought that Global had a had a void in their programming and that they needed a business show that focused on Canadian businesses because that's what we did at the time. And, you know, I had my half an hour slot. And then I remember, you know, he sort of smiled at me and nodded and and I left his office and I thought, okay, you know, I'm shaking my head thinking I'm on the plane now coming back home to Vancouver. And I'm thinking, okay, he's got all these tapes on either side of him. How is it? Why is he going to pick my show? And so I came home and I thought, I've got to be memorable. You know, like he's, how is he going to remember me? So I went to Kmart because that was actually a store here at the time. (laughs) And I bought a hunter green blind, like for a window. And I sent a thank you note, thanking him for his time. And, and again, reiterating why he needed this business show, because, you know, this is like, going to be the best business show in Canadian history. And I I couriered him this thank you card that also said in there, you know, I'm enclosing a blind because I'd like it for your wall, because I believe you need a window. And so I sent that to him with the thank you card the very next day after I had arrived. And probably two weeks later, I received a, a full licensing agreement and a check for my first season. Wow. So... <laughs> That's awesome. It's you never uh, know where these conversations are going to go, Corey. <laughs> absolutely not. And I figured we'd try to see, you know, see if he could take us back because look at what you've built since then. And so, did they own the show? And was that no, you no, sold the no, rights? They had how, non- did, how did that look? No. So it's not exclusive licensing arrangements. And so, you know, we were also subsequent years past that we were on Fox Business News in the U.S. and and now we're on the the business network is cable. And even now with BNN Bloomberg, all the deals are different now, but we've always had non-exclusive deals. Same with, you know, the airlines, they, they license the show, they'll pay a fee. And, you know, that's one of our business models as well. And sponsorship on the show is as well. So, you know, I guess the takeaway from that is just be memorable, right? And Mm -hmm. that's, that goes back to, you know, when you are a CEO pitching your story, what are they going to remember about you? And that's why video is so powerful because if you have, you know, 500 employees at your mine in Mexico and you don't have that on video, talking about it is not powerful. Showing it is so powerful and it's so impactful. And that's what the broker is going to remember if he sees a snippet of that video. He's going mm. to, re- or she is going to remember that. 1.8 million. 1.8 million words. One minute of video. Yeah. You got it. <laughs> so what's next for BTV? Oh, what's next? We've always got we've always got stuff going on. I mean, we're always developing, you know, new initiatives. We're launching an app in hopefully Q2. It's for larger companies with earnings. We're continuing to increase the distribution of our content. WestJet is new, for example, for the BTV show and more online with our CEO clips. I think our biggest area of growth for that product is in the U.S. And we recently signed a distribution agreement for a reseller into the U.S. as well for our CEO clips brand. So we've got lots of stuff going on. (laughs) No kidding. It's very exciting. I enjoy your enthusiasm for it. Thank you. It's it's an enjoyable interview. I want to be courteous of your time here. So I'm looking and I figure 
maybe we'll, we'll end it off with perhaps any final advice you have for CEOs and in building their public companies and, and in marketing them, especially coming from the experience that you have. It'd be great to hear. Well, I mean, I think the thing is, you know, we've done this for so long. I know we've been, you know, 22 years in this space. So, you know, I've seen a lot of companies sort of come and go in both marketing and in the PubCo space. And, you know, don't be afraid to spend money on marketing is, is one of the things that I would definitely say. Be very careful of this whole sort of new trend that's happened in the last few years, which is the swapping of shares for services. I mean, we don't do that. It may seem like a good deal because you don't have to pay any cash, but, you know, marketing firms at the end of the day, they need to get paid and, you know, they'll likely just dump your shares as soon as they can because they're mm. not in it for the long term. They're providing a service, right? So do think long term you know, take the time to put together a marketing plan and plan that loosely around your catalyst that you have, which is essentially your business plan for the year. And, you know, I mentioned this before, don't put all your eggs in one basket, spread it out because it's a process. It's not an event. And, you know, like, for example, our our most successful clients, they work with us on an annualized basis because they know what they're doing that year. They know what they've got on the pipeline and they want to make sure that their stories are being told and don't expect a press release to move the needle. There's over, you know, 500 press releases a day for public companies in Canada alone and a press release is, is not going to move your needle. There's so much noise out there right now. And as I mentioned before, you know, I'll be a stickler on that. Ask the firms that you're talking to what sort of statistical reporting they're going to be giving you afterwards. Like what, how can you measure your ROI? Because that's key. And that's probably it. Yeah, really appreciate it. I actually, Taylor, I didn't know where this was going to go. (laughs) And I've enjoyed (laughs) the interview. I, I think it's really informative, especially coming from a side of the experience and what you've seen has, has worked and what hasn't. And so I believe this is going to be well received. Thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. Thank you, Corey. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Insider's Guide to Finance. If you enjoyed what you heard, please share this with your friends and colleagues so they can benefit as well. You can also subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or the Play Store. Your support there is really appreciated. For future episodes, if there's a question, topic, or specific person you'd like me to interview, feel free to reach out. You can connect with me on LinkedIn or through my website at creativereturn.ca.